one thing ne rarely ever replaces another, it integrates. I mean, think about our world. We still have radio, even though we have television. Like we, we, didn't, we don't get rid of things. They fit into our world in, in, in different ways. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Radically Loved Radio. I wanted to create a place where people can go to to get inspired, get motivated, or find some clarity and get tools to create a radically loved life. I will do my best to provide information on a variety of subjects, including yoga, holistic health, life coaching, spirituality, meditation, and overall mindful living. Each episode will bring you some of the world's best spiritual leaders, entrepreneurs, yoga teachers, coaches, along with some of my closest friends, and we will talk about their life experiences and journeys to create something more out of their lives and how they continue to grow to make that happen. Thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Radically Loved Radio. I am joined by two very special guests today. And um, I am going to be fully transparent to say that this is actually the second time we're having a conversation. Um, Jason, but happy to do it. Oh, yeah. No, it's so great. Uh, uh, both of you, I'm just, I'm so grateful to have you both on. And I, I really am just so excited to talk to you guys because there's been a lot of changes that have happened since we spoke last. A lot. A lot of changes. Uh, in our lives and in the entire world yeah <laughs> yeah in the entire world um what one let's let's go by the most noteworthy that was life-altering for you guys i actually don't know which one you refer to I think you well we have a baby now yes uh we that have, we, i was pregnant <laughs> before not the pandemic no not the pandemic <laughs> but there was the baby on the inside and now he's on the outside <laughs> yeah yeah, and it's been so long, Rosie, that not only is he on the outside, but he's like on the outside everywhere because what? He's, he's now, well, he's now toddling. So he's, right. he's in everything. He was drinking my LaCroix earlier. Oh. He's 15 months and he kind of hated it and then kept coming back for it and would make a face and would walk away and then would come back for it and would make a face and go away and then come back for it. That is amazing. So, and, and, what what how has that altered your guys' life? I mean, you guys were on on you're still on a path, I'm sure. And I'm I'm gonna talk about just you know the things that you guys have been doing since we last spoke. But mostly, I, I want to know how you guys are doing during this pandemic. Like you guys are sitting um, in not your house. No, so we so we normally live in Brooklyn. Um, in a smallish, pretty small two bedroom. Um, we were very, very fortunate to be able to leave the city and come out to Boulder, Colorado, where we are now to stay uh, to quarantine with Jason's parents. Um, so we were here, um, which has really been a godsend because we've got a very active five-year-old and a now very active 15-month-old. And the prospect of the two of them being cooped up in the apartment and us being also being very fortunate to be working full-time, but that plus full-time childcare, um, even with Jason's parents helping out, it's been a struggle. And I cannot imagine how difficult it is for essential workers and, you know, other, other families that don't have these resources. Yeah, it's been really, it's been hard. It's been hard in lots of ways. Um, I mean, something that we're dealing with now is that you, the, 
just you think that you are you think that you have taken care of the kids and then you discover that you have not fully taken care of the kids right so like our our 5 year old he's such an easygoing kid and we thought you know as long as he has toys to play with and some family to hang out with he's going to be and an iPad to watch which he really loves that he will be fine and you know he was for the first 2 months of this and now that's changing now he's he is def- he's definitely lonely he's lonely and he's sad and he's harder to deal with now and that's that's scary that's scaring us because you know you don't want that to be a permanent change and so now we're thinking okay well what we had is not enough what on earth else can we do um you know it just feels like every time you get the balance right something else goes out of balance yeah. Oh, that's such a great, such a great point. And I, I would love for you guys to speak to that because we've not actually had anybody on the show to speak to not only those specific changes, but the changes in couples that you go through during this time and having to spend this much time together. And, and I, I don't know, do you guys, you guys both work from home anyway. I think you guys are both at home normally i'm i'm at home normally but jason goes into an office every day um and actually he's i think he's struggling with this a lot more than i am in terms of work um i'm used to working at home um i can actually get a fair amount done even with the kind of like knowing that the family stuff is happening in the background and again my in-laws are are doing a lot to help with the kids um but jason's been having a lot harder time focusing and and kind of compartmentalizing yeah yeah i i've been having my big problem is deep work like i have a really hard time getting deep work done, which is you know, work that requires a lot of concentration and a lot of time. Uh, I have this, I, I, I've come to this like visual metaphor of how I work on large projects, which is that it feels like I need to take, it's like my brain is a filing cabinet and I need to take every piece of paper out of the filing cabinet and spread it out on a table which is like having every thought that is relevant to whatever project you're working on available to you all at once. And then the project, which for me is often writing a long magazine article or writing a long podcast script or something like that. The project is putting all of this stuff together in a coherent narrative, in a coherent way. And I, that just requires a lot of concentration. And every time I get interrupted, it is as if everything gets shoved back in the filing cabinet. And then I got to take it all back out again. And that is, it's just, I found it impossible to get that kind of work done here because there's always a kid bursting in or there's always somebody who needs something. And, and that is, that is not to say that everyone in this house isn't doing their absolute best to, to manage the situation. I mean, my parents are heroes. Jen is a hero. We are, everyone's, Everyone's working and everyone's trying, but it's still, it's just the circumstances make it kind yeah. of impossible. So I've, I've started to work a lot at night. Like last night mm-hmm. I was, I was working until 10 PM and, um, and then I feel bad about that because then the, the one time during the day where Jen and I are really able to spend time together is at night. And now I'm working at night, which I, which I also feel bad about. But that's okay. Cause I can find crappy TV to watch and I'm like <laughs> totally happy to like watch crappy TV and drink. <laughs> Jen, what are you, please give us uh, some tips. What, what kind of 
I'm going to say crappy TV. I'm it's sure actually it's not. Awesome. It's actually not crappy. Unfortunately, there, there actually isn't a lot of crappy TV that I haven't seen. So, um, but I'm, um, well, so last night, I think I watched maybe three or four episodes of Working Moms in a row. I don't know if you know that mm-hmm. one, but it's I on haven't. Netflix. It's, I think it's out of Canada and it's about this group of, of professional moms, um, who are like barely holding it together. And, um, it's, it's just a lot of fun and it's lighthearted, um, and good drama. Um, I was watching, we had like a free subscription for like five days to epics. (laughs) So I was watching (laughs) the latest, um, Julian fellows of Downton Abbey, his new thing called Belgravia, but I only got to watch like two or three episodes before our free trial went away and I didn't like it enough to continue (laughs) with it. So I guess that's done. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we're making we're making our way through more TV than usual. Yeah, I think everybody is. And to me, just going back to your point, Jason, of talking about putting everything out and your own process, I think that this ha- being in the middle of this pandemic, a lot of people being asked to, I keep calling it lockdown. Okay. I'm just like, we're in lockdown. I'm, you know, East LA. I'm like, we're in lockdown. Yeah, we no, have to stay at home. Yeah. So we're in lockdown and we're being um, asked to do things differently. I mean, we have to be able to adapt to a new way of being. And for you, just as a, as a writer, as a creative, to have your own process and have that be, uh, you know, derailed by the circumstances that you're in to be able to get into that space. Have you found that you've, you've figured out a way to adapt and does it get harder to adapt just in, in your home life now that your work is at home and your home is work? No, not the, the latter part isn't a problem minus the kids. I, I, I can work from anywhere. I've always been able to work from anywhere so long as I'm able to concentrate. The challenge is, is the, is the inability to have this blocked out time. Um, but I have, I mean, I, I think that we are all quite adaptable as long as we're open to it. Right. I, I, like, I think that you're, you're like the, the, the way to make yourself not adaptable is to think that there's only one way to do something mm-hmm. uh, at which point you will constantly focus on whether you are or are not doing the thing that you think that you're supposed to do. And then you will permit yourself to work or not. Um, and so while I've had these challenges with this kind of focus, I have been trying to adapt as best I can. And also just to shift what it is that I'm doing to match the moment. I'll give you an example. I started writing for Entrepreneur a weekly column that goes out first as a newsletter called Midweek Motivation. And, uh, and then we post it online. And I, in the past, I had thought about doing something like that. And I was like, you know what? I don't have the time for that. I am maxed out. I don't need this extra thing. And then this comes along, this pandemic, and I realize that there is a massive opportunity in front of me. Mm. The opportunity is to step up and be a voice and be somebody who offers people perspective and be a leader in the moment um, because I have a community that I speak to and I can be a leader there. Uh, And so what can I do within my means and within my available resources, which is really talking about time, to fulfill that 
Um, and, to, and so I thought, well, I, I can do quick things. Um, I can write, I'm, I'm a fast writer. I can knock out a 600 word column really fast. Um, I can also up my social game so that I'm making sure that I'm posting something on social daily, whereas you used to do it once every two days or something. And um, so these are things that I can do because I have, I can't do the deep work, but I can do fragmented work. And, um, and so I want to make the most of the stuff that I have. And then I just have to find the time for that deep work, which means shifting to the night and also just not taking on as many of those projects. So I'm not mm -hmm. going to do as many long magazine stories. Um, I'm going to do a lot more shorter things and be productive that way. I'm going to like, I'm going to hermit crab myself, right? I'm going to kind of try to yeah. grow into the space that I have. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, this is a question for both of you, Jen. I'm, I'm curious what your answer is to this too. Like, what are you guys telling your kids is going on? Yeah, well, so the little one is too little to know anything. So we don't have to really have to worry about him. Um, I mean, the five-year-old, I mean, the five-year-old knows that there's a virus and he knows that um, it's contagious, that people wear masks. Um, a number of weeks ago, I went out of my way we were on a walk with him and I went out of my way to, 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 and he didn't, this wasn't prompted by anything, but just to tell him that kids didn't get it. This was before this Kawasaki um, right. syndrome like started happening. And of course we're not going to tell him anything about that. Um, but, you know, just to reassure him that, you know, he was, he was safe, he was healthy. Um, and to, and to, you know, this morning, I mean, this morning, so we do two hours of virtual school. We actually pulled him out of the regular virtual school because they're on Zoom for three hours in the morning. Um, they're two hours behind, oh, ahead. ahead of us to yeah. provide this. And, um, and it wasn't working and he wasn't able to concentrate. And so we, we pulled him out. Um, and so now we each take an hour in the morning and we use some apps and some other materials. Um, and that's really been a struggle because he, I mean, the, like Jason was saying, like this kind of loneliness and sadness is mm -hmm. like manifesting itself, especially like when we have to do school. And he had a total breakdown this morning during my hour and just started crying and was so upset. And I realized that I hadn't like talked to him about how he was feeling in a while. Aww. And so I got, I, I, you know, like once he calmed down a little bit, you know, I just started saying to him, like, I know this is so hard for you. It's hard for all of us. Like we, like, I really miss home. We really miss home. And he was like, I miss home. I want to go home right now. I miss home. Um, and just talking to him about, about how, you know, we're, we're really lucky to be here because we're safe here. We have space here that if we were home, he wouldn't be able to see his friends and that we're going to be in this, you know, safe space until it's safe to go back. Um, and just to, you know, try to let him know that he's got people here who love him and support him and that he's able to do things here that he might not be able to do back in New York. Um, and so just trying to like acknowledge how he's feeling and like try yeah. to reassure him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he, you know, to build, to build off of that. So I, I also had um, was reminded that I haven't engaged him in that way uh, before. And in fact, yesterday he had, I mean, he's, he's having kind of like lots of meltdowns. Um, and his new thing is that when he is upset, he instantly, runs to his room, turns the light off, turns the white noise on, gets in bed and says he's going to sleep, 
which, you know, is scary because that. That's like the sign of depression, right? And he's yeah. five. And yeah. so we're trying to put a stop, you know, we're like, you cannot be in your bedroom when the lights off at eight <laughs> in the morning. Like, oh. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Eight in the morning at 2 p.m. Right. It's at any time. So that happened yesterday and my, and my sister was over because my, so my, we're, you know, we're in Boulder my, and mm-hmm. my sister and her family also live here in Boulder. So we kind of consider ourselves to be one quarantined unit. She's got two kids. And, um, and she is a, uh, a speech pathologist who works with children. So she's, she's got more experience than me, certainly, in talking to kids. And so she came in and she kind of guided a conversation with him about how he's feeling. And he was um, at first non-responsive and then just bouncing around the room, kind of refusing to engage. But she got him to the same place that Jen did, which was to admit that he was lonely and so on. Um, and so... I take that, and then I also, I've been thinking about, Jen, I don't know, I can't remember if I showed you this. Um, Was this tweet that some teacher or somebody, this is just some random person who tweeted, but it it was one of those things that took off. Um, And uh, and it essentially said she was like, she was like, parents, I can take care of your kid falling behind. Like, I got it, right? I will teach them how to read and um, write and all that. Like, I can take care of that, um, but uh, but it's it's going to be a lot harder if the if the kids are not um, are, are like emotionally lost, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's your job. Like your job is to hang is to like don't focus, don't be upset about I, you know whatever. The tweet was short. I've turned it into this long thing, but it was like don't don't be obsessed with the education. Be obsessed with just making sure that they are they are like emotionally healthy. And I've been trying to think about that in our homeschool sessions when he doesn't want to do something. And we know that it's important. Like he hates trying, he hate, we're trying to get him to write letters within spaces and he hates it. And, um, mm. and so, you know, as a parent, you kind of want to dig in. You're like, no, you will learn how to do this. But then I have to try to stop myself and be like, that is not important. He can learn that later. Like probably yeah. the more important thing is that he's not having a meltdown at 8 a.m. But right. that's hard. It's hard because we too, we fall into these roles and we, we have to make a snap decision about what's important. And it's, yeah. it's hard to keep it all in perspective. Well, yeah. And I think that this is such an important point because of how our, our own personal experience in how we're relating to the current state. Are we lonely? How are we dealing with adapting? You know, you have to play this role as the the matriarch and patriarch of your family unit, but at the same time, also being in the space that the world is where there's a lot of uncertainty and we don't really know how or when to go where. So we have to just make make do with what we have. So so knowing that I'm I'm curious, going back to what Jen asked your son, how are you guys feeling? Like, what is, what is happening with you? How are you guys feeling during this time? For me, it's really day by day. Like some days I will feel like totally fine. I'll be like excited to be working on the stories that I'm writing, the interviews that I have to do. And then like, any little thing will just like trigger like an internal meltdown <laughs> where, I mean, like, for example, and it, and like, you know that, um, okay. So, oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I remember, okay. So this was now, this was now maybe like 
this was like 2008. I was like, this was before I had even met Jason. I was in grad school. I, um, this was like, basically I was, I had broken up with my boyfriend of like many, many years and was, you know, just like, like really anxious, kind of depressed, finally went on Zoloft and it like, totally changed my life because I now had like a stabilizer and I knew that it was working when like I'd get good news or I'd get bad news and I could be like really happy or sad but it wouldn't completely like ruin or you know like the mood swings were Mm -hmm. like kind of more in line with normal now still on the Zoloft but like now (laughs) like (laughs) any like piece of like good news is like oh my god and like any piece of bad news is like the world is ending right and um and I can tell that like I'm even though I'm like still medicated I'm like kind of back to that like those like huge Mm. like like emotional swings because of and and it's a it must be a product of the situation because normally it's not like that. And so like, I've kind of become aware of that. Mm-hmm. And like, it's helpful that to be aware of it. Cause like now I can at least like tell myself, like you need to chill out. Yeah. <laughs> and like, everything isn't a huge deal, like good or bad. Um, but that's definitely like an emotional change. Yeah. That oh, that's noteworthy. Jason, what about you? Well, I'm not like Jen in that way. I am. Um, far more even keel. Um, I'm, I'm generally like that center that she's describing trying to get at is just kind of generally where I am. Um, so the stress of the stress of not being able to work has really, so I, it's, I'll tell you the, the thing that, um, the first, especially the first couple of weeks when we, before we really had a routine, before we really understood what it meant to be here in, in my parents' place, um, I, I was feeling completely discombobulated. And then I, I, I came to this, this guess of what was kind of happening in my brain, which was that um, for me, wor- like, you know, that deep work that I was just describing, you like mm-hmm. take everything out of the brain yeah. and you like organize it. To me, that is, that is an unbelievably therapeutic process, right? Like I have, I have taken chaos, right? Which is that I've gone out and I have done whatever the process is. I've talked to a lot of people. I gathered a lot of information. It's chaos in my brain because I put all this stuff here, but it doesn't belong together. And then I've made sense of it, which is, which is, I think everyone has an experience like that in some form, whether it's the way you work or whatever it is, right? Like you want to take these things that you have and you want to, you want to, you want to put them together like a puzzle. And that's very, very therapeutic. It makes me feel like, it feels restful. Mm. And, um, and I couldn't do that. And so it kind of felt like I wasn't sleeping. It, like sleep is actually the one thing that we're fine on. Um, I mean, our, our, the baby wakes up at like 5.30, which really sucks. But, you know, we're able to go to bed whenever we want. And neither of us are really having trouble actually sleeping. But the inability to have worked like that made me feel like I wasn't sleeping. It made me feel stressed and confused. And, um, and I do not by nature um have a toolkit in my head to like deal with that stuff because i'm just generally not dealing with it but i found um almost a little bit by accident that just getting out of the house like one of the things that you can do to do childcare around here it's the best it's the best option of childcare is put the baby in a stroller and walk him around the neighborhood like that's the best that's the best task to me at least um because uh, I can at once contribute to family needs, but at the same time, I can basically have some time to myself. And um, 
And I listened to podcasts that have absolutely nothing to do with anything. Mm. Um, shout out to Everything is Alive and Richard's Famous Food Podcast. Like those <laughs> things just were like like mental resets to me. It's like what Jen was talking about, the TV stuff, the show. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was just mental reset. And I, I didn't realize that I needed it. Um, and I And I still don't, I like my brain, I don't have that thought of, oh, I need a reset or, oh, I need mm. a moment, but I totally do. And I need to, I need to like remind myself that I need to like get out and get, a, and get my mind away. This episode is brought to you by Noom. What does being healthy actually mean? What does being healthy actually look like for you? It's not about getting into shape. It's not about losing a specific amount of weight. It's rarely ever about the number on a scale. In my experience, it's about building healthier habits. It's about feeling good about yourself, about practicing self-care. And it's different for everybody. So what are your non-scale health goals? Through this quarantine, I've been using the Noom app and I've learned so much about my own habits and I've really learned about my own ability to make better choices. I've learned to understand my own thought patterns better and it's created a stronger sense of self-worth. It's created a easier ability to change my mood quicker and to feel less stressed and to feel less anxious. Noom is based in a psychology that teaches you why you do the things that you do. And it's a tool for empowerment. It allows you to feel empowered learning tools that you need in order to break bad habits and replace them with better ones. This isn't a diet. It's a healthy, easy to stick to way of life. No food is quote unquote good or bad or off limits. Noom teaches moderation and how it can be used in conjunction with many pre-existing popular diets if you want. If you're vegan, if you're a vegetarian, if you are paleo. Noom is one of the biggest and most accurate food databases available and it allows you to track habits and meals in a way that it allows you to not only track what you're eating but also learn about it. You're human. I'm human, you're human. We all go off track. There's no shaming. There's just tips on how to get you back on track tomorrow. There's an incredible community of coaches and goal specialists. You can chat with your goal specialists and your Noom community to get you the help that you need that are all going through the same thing. You don't have to change it all in one day. Small steps make big progress. So sign up for your trial today at Noom, that's N-O-O-M dot com forward slash loved. What do you have to lose? Go to Noom.com forward slash loved. You can start your trial today. That's N-O-O-M dot com forward slash loved. And now back to our show. What are you guys doing right now for that? I mean, that to me, watching uh, something that is just going to be pure entertainment um, a pure gratuitous show that's just going to feed that part of you of, you know, like reality TV or something, or listening to a podcast about cooking or something just obscure that's not normally part of your everyday life. 
what are you guys doing for self-care? You know, it's, it's such a big part of not only what I love to teach, what I love to do, but really honing in on this idea of what self-care looks like for you might not be what it looks like for somebody else. And I want to be able to remove the stigma of what self-care should look like. I mean, self-care could be going on on a walk, you know, with the stroller and listening to a podcast. podcast. There you go. So I'm curious what other things you're doing to, um, to take care of yourself in that way. Sure. Um, so I would say four things. Um, so one of them is watching mindless TV, which actually I always do as a form of self-care. Um, second thing is, um, having a glass of wine every single night, also form of, these are both things that I did prior to (laughs) the pandemic, but have become, but are like really important to me now. We do not run out of wine in this house. Um, The third thing is um, cook. So I do all the cooking for the family and um, everybody really, yeah, well, the kids don't really eat what I cook, but oh. um, <laughs> but and then I make everybody else eat what I cook. Um, but I'm usually working off of the New York Times cooking app, and I'm just kind of trying like anything that looks good. Like I'm trying it. My mother-in-law has a slow cooker, which we didn't have room for um, in Brooklyn, and I've been doing all kinds of slow cooker meals that you know, like it's it's amazing. Um, wait, wait, before you go to number four, can I just add, Jen knew going here that that was going to be a valuable form of self care for herself or like you you told me you said that you are going to need to feel some kind of control mm. in a situation that feels uncontrollable and yes. you know she's she's i mean we have we, like my family is great my parents are great jen has a great relationship with my parents as do i but uh, you know we're not here with her parents we're here with my right. parents so, um, so you said, I mean, before we even came out here, you were like, I, I have to do the cooking. It's just a thing that is going to help ground me. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is that I really love food and dinner is something that I look forward to. Like if, if I know that there's going to be a dinner that I really like, and especially cause we can't go out for dinner and living in New York, we go out all the time. All the time. We take, we take out all the time. And so knowing that I have like a really yummy dish to look forward to at the end of the day, um, just really just helps me get through the quarantine. Um, and so, so cooking, baking, a ton of that stuff. Um, and then the, then the final thing, um, also, which I did at home, but it's just so important is, um, so at home I went to Pilates three days a week. Um, I've been going to the same Pilates studio. It's called Henry Street Fitness in Brooklyn. And they have transferred all of their classes onto Zoom. And the woman who runs the studio, Jan, is amazing. She's like this Amazonian, like doesn't take any crap, like cracking jokes. Like she's, it's amazing. And so do I do that three days a week. I go up to the third floor and I set up my computer and I do a Zoom Pilates class with Jan and the rest of the class. And it's great because it reminds me of being home in Brooklyn. I have that, like, it makes me feel like I'm around other people. Like, and, yeah. and I get that, um, just having her personality, like, you know, plus the really good workout. So I don't, you know, so like, like my back doesn't hurt. It's just yeah. great. It, 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 it's a tie to home yes. and to my life in the before times <laughs> yeah. um, and keeping me physically healthy. So, um, so shout out to Jan at Henry Street Fitness for sure. <laughs> nice. Great. 
Jason. Yeah, well, so I, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm less conscious of, the, like, I, I don't have the concept of self-care built into my head very much. I don't think about it a lot. Um, I just kind of chug along. Um, so, uh, uh, so I, you know, I stumbled into the realization that getting out of the house and engaging my brain in something that wasn't directly related to work or coronavirus was actually a value. But like I didn't, that was truly an actual revelation. Like when I first left the house, I was listening to the daily, like, you know, like the news, like I love podcasts. So I'm like engaging with podcasts is something that brings me great delight. Um, but I was listening to news podcasts and business podcasts that were focused on coronavirus recovery, like all this stuff mm -hmm. for my, you know, and I was, and I was really realizing that this wasn't, this didn't feel like a break to me. And, mm. um, and so switching over to something that was completely, you know, sort of nonsense was, um, was, was very good. Um, what else do I do? I mean, I, I, I went out and I bought a, I went out and I bought a very nice uh, bottle of smoky scotch, which I really like. Uh, I've basically killed that entire bottle myself because nobody else will touch it. Uh, cause it's just, it's, I think it's poisonous to everybody else, but I'm really into it. Um, what else? I, I don't know if you consider this self care, but like, you know, we, we're near mountains. So oh, on the weekends, yes. we've, we've started going hiking and we, you know, they're, they're pretty easy hikes because we, we, Jason straps the baby onto his back and then we bring our five-year-old. Um, and I don't know, it's like kind of a nice activity that we would just never do if we were in New York. Are and you guys in Boulder? We're in Boulder. Oh, so you guys got the flat irons. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, and so I don't know, it's just nice to kind of do something as a family that's totally different and also outside. Yeah, that is true. I've really liked that. And which is funny because, you know, we're, we're, we are city people. Uh, hiking is not no, part of the activity right. set, but it has been really nice to do. It's very beautiful and it is relaxing. Um, and then I, I actually I thought of something else that I that I've done that again I haven't thought of as self care. Like I don't, this is not a vocabulary that I have, but I, um, but is uh, is new hobby. And I haven't spent a lot of time on this new hobby, but years and years ago, J Jen's parents asked me what I wanted for my birthday, and I said, get me a ancestry.com subscription because I'm I'm interested in family history, and uh, and they did, and I never used it. I like you, they just gave me money to use for ancestry.com and it instead probably went to whiskey, who knows. And so here, just by sheer chance, my dad had bought two test kits for ancestry.com. You know, mm -hmm. you like spit in it and you send it back yeah. and they scan your DNA. And, uh, and my mom had not wanted to do it. And so there was another kit just sitting around. And so I said, I'll do it. And so we sent it in and, uh, you know, it came back, um, not with the least shocking news of all, which is like 98% Eastern European Jew, which knew, <laughs> knew very well just by looking at me. Uh, but, um, um, but, it, but it also now I'm in this ecosystem where I'm like building out the family tree. And that's pretty cool. Um, oh, and I, cool. so I've been, I've, sometimes I, I, as I'm watching the baby, I just pull up the ancestry.com app and like scan through these old documents and find these signatures of relatives from wow. 150 years ago on these census bureau forms or whatever. And that, that's, that's been, that's been really nice. Like that's a that's thing cool. that I wanted to do. I have a list of things that I would like to do that I have never gotten around to. And um, being able to get into one has been satisfying. How do you think, how do you guys think this is going to change 
the way that we do that we have a work life balance. There's so many people that I've talked to that have said, "Oh, I've been wanting to do this around the house. It finally got done." Or, "Oh, I've been wanting to discover this new skill or I'm currently unemployed and now I get to dot dot dot. I'm like, what do you guys think of of that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think I think if you don't have kids, then you probably are able to do that stuff. I, I feel like for both of us, everything has just become a lot busier and a, and a lot more hectic um, that we, that, that, you know, whatever work-life balance, like we didn't have, like now we really don't have <laughs> even more. However, I think after this happens, um, if there's less pressure um, certainly for Jason to have to go into the office, I think it's going to make his quality of life a lot better because he's not going to have to worry about that commute. He's going to be able to get more done and or have more time for the things that he wants to do on his own with ha- without having to worry about going into the city every day. Mm-hmm. It just really depends on like once the kids are out of the kids have to be out of the house. Yeah. The kids have to be out of the house. So I, I, um, I, so- now this will not surprise you knowing that now I'm like digging into ancestry.com, but I'm very interested in history. I have a history podcast. I spend a lot of time like mm-hmm. reading about history. And so um, let me give you like a out of nowhere. You definitely didn't expect to be talking about the 1300s on this podcast, um, but I'm going to tell you about it. And then, so I'm gonna, random. and then I'm going to bring it back to answering your question because <laughs> I think that there's a parallel here. So, okay. Um, I was really curious about what happened after the Black Death? Like what was the positives of the bubonic plague? And uh, so I talked to this, this medieval, um, uh, medieval uh, professor that I know um, who told me all these fascinating things and here, here was the most fascinating to me. So in the 1300s, you had the, you had the Lord and the serf system, which is basically master and slave system, right? The, the serfs had no, um, they were owned by the, by the Lord. They had no autonomy. Um, they received no pay, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and uh, everybody thought that that was just fine because that was how God must have intended it because back then everything was built off of, um, you know, God, whatever has happened is because God has wanted it this way. Then the Black Plague comes along. I am boring Jen so much that she's checking her text messages, which is totally <laughs> fine. This is how life is. Um, and uh, so um, then the Black Plague comes along and it wipes out up to 60% of Europe. And uh, that means that it wipes out, you know, most of the serfs. And so now once it's done, the lords who have this land that needs to be tended need the serfs. And the serfs, suddenly are being asked by multiple lords to work for them. And the power dynamic has shifted. And here is where you get for the very first time the idea of an employment contract, that labor has value and that the serfs should be compensated because now they can call some of the shots here because they are needed. And you know what? A bunch of them say, you know what, Lords, screw you. I'm not working for any of you. I work for myself now. And they move to the city and they start selling textiles or spices or whatever, and they create the first merchant class. So why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this because I think that we are in for another complete reorganization of the relationship of work. So that was one of them. And now I think what we have and what we're going to be staring down here is uh, a moment in which 
Um, companies are now letting people work from home more. They're going to discover that remote workforces actually are completely functional and probably even better. In fact, studies before this had shown that they were better, that, that employees are more productive, they're happier, they stay with companies longer, right? This is just the reason that this didn't happen is because I think people had paid a lot for office space and also because managers were stuck in an old mentality and now they've been forced out of it. So people are going to be working from home more and that means that they are going to have more time and that means that they're going to be able to be more flexible and also that the greatest employees are going to be able to do their jobs in far less time and then be able to do other things, which means that the greatest employees are going to have to, are going to be able to do three jobs if they so choose and great and employers who want the best talent are going to have to deal with that, which mm -hmm. means that I think more employees and more workers and more creatives are going to be able to call more shots. It's going to change the nature of work for the better, I think. And so, I, I mean, I'm very excited about that. That is true. For the affluent. Right. You need to throw that in there. Yeah. That is right. Mm -hmm. That is true. Um, um, right. For a certain set of, for a certain set of work. Um, and, um, and so I think that, that can expand that out and see where that leads. Um, you know, the, the, the relationship changes, power dynamic changes, the amount of things that you can do change, um, the ability to pursue more things that you're passionate about change again. Yes. For a certain set of, of, um, uh, of, of workers. Um, and I and and I, I I find that extremely exciting. Like I'm I am I am here for that world. I'm ready for that. Yeah, I mean, just like anything else, any any huge event that's happened, it's an opportunity for us to learn something new, to to do things differently, to have a a, a new way of learning, a new way of teaching, a new way of being, a new a new, it, all, all the companies that were born from even the last recession, Airbnb, Uber, Lyft, you know, all the things that, that came from that, there will be a, a new surge of new ways of connecting to the outside world. I mean, I'm really curious, just in my, in the field of yoga and meditation, everything's online now. So my business has been directly affected because people, I, I, I'm used to being around people. You need people in order to teach, you know, like that uh, fitness class that Jen goes to. I'm curious to see how that's going to shift. I mean, do those types of businesses become obsolete now, the brick and mortar, or, you know, are people still going to want to go out there and be together to be close to each other? Are they going to want to just do things online now? I mean, Jen, are you plan like, do you plan on going back to the studio? And then Jason, I'm curious to hear just your uh, business philosophical mind answer. Yeah. I mean, you know, if it's safe to do so, I certainly do plan on doing it. Um, I, I do think that if there was a way for for those classes to happen simultaneously in person and online for, for certain days when just I would need more time. I have less time to exercise. That would be great. But I don't think, I'm not sure that like businesses are going to be set up for that. Like I, I, mm -hmm. I, I think that um, especially for smaller, smaller businesses, like, you know, main street businesses, like this is one of them. Um, you know, she's going to get, she's just going to go back to business as usual as quickly as, as she can in part because the price point on what, um, she what she's able to charge for online versus in person is so dra drastically different and she's losing a lot of money even with these online classes. Um, so, you know, I, I, it would be great if, if we could find some way to adapt 
somehow fuse the benefits of what we've got now with the way that things were before. Um, but you know what, like I'll be, I'll be just as happy to like walk the mile to Pilates and like be there in the studio, um, and to help her get back on her feet so she can, you know, (laughs) charge the astronomical amount that she needs to in order to pay her rent. Maybe what we need is like the landlord's and like the banks, like it's just, it's like a system, right? Like the people at the top need to stop being so selfish, basically. Uh, Quotable moment. Yes, indeed. I I agree with that. Uh, So yeah, I mean, a a couple things come to mind um, to your question. Number one is that the results of terrible things are totally unpredictable, but can lead to amazing things. Um, You know, we, this is not the first time that we have been locked in. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you have, if you have ever, you listener, you, anyone has ever gone to a public park in a city, you have cholera epidemics of the 1800s to thank for that. Like that, that forced a rethinking of how cities were structured and central park is a direct result of cholera in, in New York city. So you know, I, I don't think that it's, I, I don't think that it's going to be so easy to draw a line between we're all locked in now, we're never going to want to see each other ever again. I don't think that's the case. Um, but I do think that this is revealing new experiences and new opportunities. And uh, you know, the, the thing about history and especially of um, introduction of new things is that one thing ne- rarely ever replaces another it integrates. I mean, think about our world. We still have radio, even though we have television. Right? Like we, we, didn't, we don't get rid of things. They fit into our world in, in, in different ways. Um, you know, pe- people used to be, you know, we're, act- we're talking right now on Zoom. Um, uh, in, the, in the 70s, when, this, when uh, video conferencing technology was first made available, people were like, I hate this. I don't want this. It's going to replace phone calls, and I'd rather have phone calls. And the answer is, no, no, no. You can have phone calls and video calls, right? Like you can do both of them for different purposes. So I think that you could see, you will probably see a world in which the Pilates studio is open and people can go in, but Jan, Jen's favorite Pilates instructor, can now have two sources of revenue because she can monetize the people who are coming into her studios. But she may have also developed relationships with people who don't live in Brooklyn or who live in Brooklyn and have moved away, but really like her and want to maintain that relationship with her and are willing to buy her classes digitally. And so you have both. And I think that's great. You know, right, like right now there's this, there's been this weird um, I mean, it's, 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 it's only weird if you look at it weird, but um, there are these virtual conference spaces where people are having virtual conferences where they're like avatars and they're walking around in these virtual worlds. Um, and it's like, it's just like, it's just like a conference you ever went to before. Like there are avatars sitting on a panel. It's just as boring in person, like in, in virtual as it was in person. Um, but, uh, but what's going to happen afterwards? You know, there's all this prediction of, oh, people aren't going to go to the conferences anymore. No, 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 they totally will. I could imagine a conference that has two planes of existence. There's the conference where people can go in person, but that content is also 
happening at the exact same time in a virtual space. And there's like a parallel universe of avatars walking around and engaging with it. And that's awesome because, you know, it's great to go to the conference, but if the conference is in Paris and you live in Colorado, you probably can't get to the conference, but now you can. So I think, you know, we'll, uh, we will, we are social beings. We're not going to want to stay inside just because yeah. we've been inside for a few months. But I do think that it's creating opportunities that will be with us, but they'll be integrated into the rest of the world. Yes. Oh, I love that. So you guys are so amazing. I'm trying to, I'm looking at the time and I'm like, oh, we went way over what I, <laughs> what I told you guys. But I really have just, I mean, you spoke to so many different things and I feel like there's so many takeaways that I've learned and, and bless for all the history lessons. It's so fascinating. Well, I really I'm, love it. I'm here I, for it anytime. I think everybody's really going to enjoy that. But, you know, one, one thing that I do want to leave with, um, I, I'd really love for, for both of you each uh, share your own um, three things that are important for you to do every day that is keeping, I know we shared, you know, just the things that you're doing for self-care, but just what are three things that you couldn't live without during this time? Um, and it could be something that you even want to do more of, um, or it could be something that you tell yourself, or it could be an actual thing that you do. So it's, it's a vast blanket. Uh, and I'd really love for you both to give me your three things. Go. Ooh. Do you have them off the top of your head? Well, I mean, have like having you and the kids, like being able to see the kid, like being able to like hug the kids. It's a nice, it's nice, but it feels, it feels too easy. No, but it's true. That's good. <laughs> you don't true. get to decide. <laughs> she gets to decide. That's good, Jen. That's number one. Okay. Your turn. Well, see, now I feel obligated to say the same. No, um, not, you weren't going to say it. So it's. <laughs> You weren't. I know you weren't. So say your things that you were going to say. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, okay. So number one is, um, uh, is, is social media for me. Um, I use social media not really as a tool to connect with friends, honestly. Um, I, like, I like texting with friends more than posting something for friends. I use social media as a, as a way to reach an audience and I find that exceptionally satisfying. Um, and so, and, and, you know, and uh, actually as I'm saying that, let me drill down to something that I think could be useful to anybody because not everyone uses social media the way that I do, um, which is uh, using social media reminds me of my value. And that is really important, right? Like I am communicating a message on social, right? like my, my social media is not really about me. It's not about the family. It's not like photos of our lives. It's like messages to entrepreneurs, um, especially LinkedIn and Instagram. So when I post every day and I get feedback from people and that sparks these little mini conversations, I feel like my value is reinforced and still there. Because I was really worried about that. I mean, I remember, I can remember sitting in our we're standing. I was standing for, for some reason. I can picture myself like standing outside of our bathroom in Brooklyn. I don't know why. And um, like the pandemic has just begun. We hadn't left yet. And I'm thinking, what the hell am I to people? Uh, right? Like I, you know, like I live. Uh, I have lived in a world in which like my message is this abundance of opportunity and optimism. And let me tell you how to go get it. And um, and I was like, do people want that anymore? Like, do the stories that I have spent the last couple of years like 
collecting and figuring out how to tell in entertaining ways. Does anybody want to hear any of that anymore? And I, that was a scary moment. I didn't know if I, I was like, is this, did I just get outmoded? And um, I spent a lot of time thinking about it. And I was actually just completely directly honest with my audience. And I was like, what, at, what is Entrepreneur Magazine and what am I to you? Like, what do you need from me? Um, you tell me. And uh, they were responsive and I listened. And basically they were like, we want positivity and we want a sense that there's an end to this and that it can be better. And I was like, great, I can do that. Like I can do that. That's, that's what I've been doing. Um, and so I threw myself into it and that has reminded me on a daily basis that I still have value to people and that is valuable to me. So I guess mine is somewhat related in the sense that especially because, you know, we're, we're quarantined and we're, we're cut off. Um, and I, you know, I'm a journalist. And so I've just really wanted to be reporting on things that are relevant now. Um, and that are, and that I feel like stories that are important for, for both for the people who are in the stories, but also for other people just to be, to be reading them and, and like just to be part of the conversation in some way. Um, so I have been, I've been working really hard to, to find, to find some of those stories. Um, I'm actually today, I had my first set of interviews for a piece that I'm writing on the, um, end of life industry and how that is changing, um, during the pandemic. And it's, been really fat. I mean, already it's been fascinating to see what's going on in that space and how people are thinking differently, how young, young people are thinking differently mm. about that. And just personally, like to be working on this story, um, definitely is going to like bolster my, um, like just how I'm feeling. Cause it's like I was saying, like, it's part of the conversation. It's re it's relevant to what's happening now. I don't feel like it's cut off. So mm -hmm that's going to be, that's already been great and it's going to continue to be great. Love that. Um, another thing for me, new opportunities. Um, so I was listening to, I think this American life recently and he, Ira Glass had quoted somebody who made this great point that the pandemic has trapped us in the present. Um, and that we, we don't have, future things to look forward to as much anymore because we don't know where they are. Our plans got canceled. And that's very different from how we usually live. We like to live for the future. We're, we're always planning things. We should always have things that we're excited about. I mean, my sister just had recently reminded me of this for, for our five-year-old that he has lost a lot of whatever it is that he can look forward to. Every day is exactly the same. So his birthday is coming up. So that's good. We, you know, we're going to talk up his birthday and get him really excited about that. But then like, what happens after that? Like we need, we need things to be excited about and, um, and we need to not be trapped in the present. We need to be able to live for the future. And, um, and so I have, I've been, you know, I've been fortunate that some of the conversations that I've been having uh, with people about different opportunities have, have just continued to mature. And who knows if anything will come of them. But for example, I've, in the last couple of weeks, had a couple of really interesting conversations with TV production people about possibly some show about this or that. And, uh, and also, I just, this was in the works with this budget that I, I had set before that I was going to hire a marketing company to help me build this 
podcast and that has just started. So these are things, I love these conversations because they allow me to think about the future. And, um, and I think that it's really important, even, even if, who knows, I mean, what are the chances of selling a TV show? Like 0.5%. But, um, but like, at least yeah. I can engage with it. We have an actress that. attached yeah. to our book. We don't know what's happening with it, but. Oh yeah, that's true. There's also that. Yeah, we learned that, that. Yeah, that Mr. Nice Guy has, I don't know Stop that we're it. allowed to. I don't think we're allowed to actually say, but we, yeah, at this point we have like a pretty major actress who, who is who is interested in it and like wants to star in it and oh my goodness. executive produce and it. executive produce it yeah it like knocked us on the floor when we knocked us on the floor of course jason's parents didn't have had never heard of her <laughs> but we were like what well so, once we're done recording you'll have to tell me who it is yeah we can do that and then everyone else can gonna have to wait in suspense <laughs> wait all right last thing jen go for it i'm gonna go back i'm gonna go back to the just basic self-care to the like little things, right? Like the silly TV show, the glass of wine, the yummy dinner. I'm like, seriously, like Jason's talking about looking forward to things. I look forward to my morning coffee. I like, and that, that is always, it's just, it's such a small thing that, that I'm enjoying this. Like now I can get to work because I've had this small moment of enjoyment. Um, and having those things interspersed throughout the day actually is really helpful. So you have a small thing in the morning and then in the afternoon, maybe I can pop out and go for a walk, looking forward to dinner, having a glass of wine, watching a show before bed, like just these small things, um, punctuating the day just like really helps keep my spirits up. Um, and for me, so I, I always used to find the phrase retail therapy very funny because um, it is a funny phrase and also I've never related to it because I have, I have basically, I have almost no monetary, no, um, not monetary, uh, no, um, no desire I, to buy anything. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. I was trying to come up with a funnier way of saying that, but that's it. I have no desire to buy anything. Um, and so, uh, right, I sit, I sit here talking to you, I'm like wearing shorts that, I think Jen purchased for me five <laughs> years ago, um, and sure. and you pur- you bought this shirt for me too. It costs I think ten dollars, and uh, and I will wear it until it falls apart. Um, but there's been but but I but now that I'm I and everyone else like our our experiences are narrowed. The things that we can do are kind of narrowed. Um, I've wanted to improve the quality of those things. So I... Wait, you want to get a new wardrobe? No, I don't care about that. Oh, damn, I was so excited for a second. <laughs> no, no, I don't. Um, although I did look into buying a Richard's Famous Food Podcast t-shirt, but I don't think I can that. Um, cool. But uh, I um, love all the merch. Oh, the merch is so good. He's got yeah. this funny, it's like a, his, it's a pickle with a mustache. It's great. Uh, so, um, uh, but no, no, no. Um, buying, buying like AV equipment. I bought myself a lav, you know, like a little, little clip on microphone. Yeah. And, um, and, and I bought, and I bought, I bought this, uh, I bought this. It's, this is like, this is, I'm sure, Instagram 101, but whatever, I didn't own it before. It was a, like a, a thing that it clips onto like a desk. And then it's got two, um, two like wires, uh, one of which will hold your phone and the other of which will, uh, has like a circle light so that, um, so that you can improve the quality of your videos. And uh, that I, so I bought that and I was really excited when that showed up. Uh, a, um, a fan of my podcast who I've, who I've been chatting, cause I like, I chat with everybody who DMs me. Um, um, she, she is a photographer and she wanted me to like improve the quality of my videos. So she, so she sent me, 
she sent me, I, she was like, what's your address? I'm going to send you something. And I said, all right, I'm going to take a gamble and give it to her. And what showed up was like a, like, a, I don't even know what the term is, like a bounce screen. You know, it's like, a, it's like one of those, it's a giant thing that bounces light onto you. Like photographers oh, use it all yeah. the time. Um, I have not figured out how to use it yet, but I love that I own it. Uh, it's just, it's fun. So, um, so I'm kind of getting, I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm geeking out. Like it just, it makes me feel like I'm making progress. Like I'm like, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm improving the thing that I do. And, um, and that's, and that's satisfying. Um, I will still wear the same old shorts until they fall apart. I'm sorry about Damn that, it. but I will. Um, but I'm, but I'm really happy about my life. Oh. Buy you new shorts for your birthday. Oh my goodness. You guys, this is amazing. This has been so <laughs> enlightening. Final question. And this is something that I asked you guys last time, and I don't know that you remember, and I'm curious to see if your answers have changed. Ooh. So the final question is, how do you feel radically loved? I don't remember it. What do you got? <laughs> um, yeah, my answer is definitely different. I mean, I feel right now, I feel radically loved by your parents. <laughs> literally for welcoming us into their house and taking care of us. I mean, they are buying all of our groceries for weeks and weeks and weeks now. It's pretty amazing to have in-laws who are that generous. I would say they are radically generous people. Um, and so I certainly feel radically loved by them. You know, I didn't, I was trying to formulate an answer, but I don't know that I can do a better one than that. Um, I mean, these are, these are times where if you are, you, if you are fortunate enough to um, be able to find support from others, um, there is, tr there is nothing uh, better or more needed. Um, and uh, my parents, I mean, you know, it doesn't, I mean, what's great about them is that none of this is surprising, um, right? Like they've always been exceptionally supportive, and and they um and you know, it's not easy. I know we 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 know that. I mean, they they have a you know they, they've fortunately they bought this house that has room for this circus that has come to town. Um, but uh, but um, but you know, they're being they they're, be, like, they're in their they're almost seventy. They should be retired. Instead, they become full time childcare. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they don't. They don't want this, but they insisted. They insisted. I mean, we had we had a few ideas of things to do to get out of the city, um, and we had to make a pretty snap decision because, mm -hmm. you know, as I'm sure everyone remembers, it, and it was and it was probably more pronounced in New York than anywhere. The the pandemic, like the realization that this was serious, came on fast and furious. Right? I mean, mm -hmm. it was like Wednesday was the first day that I worked from home. Monday, that Monday was when we fled New York. Like it, it happened fast. And, um, and you know, we were getting daily calls from my parents who were like, come out here, get out to Boulder, like now. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, we were like, you guys are, you know, you're like up there in age. We, 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 you know, we don't want to put you at risk, burden you, put you at yeah. risk. And they were like, no, come, 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 come. Um, so, um, so we couldn't, yeah, we, we just, we did it and we couldn't ask for more. Wow. That is so, you know, being able to hear these answers, especially now, I don't know why they're so, I mean, I know why they're so moving because they are. And I think it just speaks to the, 
humanness of our kindness and generosity and the things and the people in our life who are really important. I'd love to see how many families are together, quarantining together, um, checking in on each other and being able to help other people and be concerned about other people, neighbors. You, you're, I, I love what you said earlier about your sister. You guys are quarantining as a unit. And I, I think that a lot of people are doing that. And I, I just feel like silver lining, right? If anything, it's going to create a stronger unit and not just a family unit, but I feel like just adds a, a conscious community as well. Yeah, I agree. For sure. It's like it's something going on in the record books. We will look back and we'll be like, yeah. this, this was something, and I think you can think about this for anybody, like this is something somebody did for someone else during this time. It will never be forgotten. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Well, thank you guys so much. Wow. What an incredible conversation. I'm so grateful for both of you. Thank you so, so much for doing this. You have no idea how much it means to me. And I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm sad that our last conversation isn't going to see the light of day, but I'm, I'm grateful for this one. I feel like it, it was um, way more uh, in depth than, sure. than what I think we did before. And, and I'm really grateful. So for the people that are listening to this, where can they go for more information if they want to connect with you guys or if they want to just get to know more? Well, if they want to know the intimate details of our sex lives, they should read the novel that we wrote <laughs> about two people that sleep together. Right. Mr. Nice Guy in fiction. These The it's, details of it. It's fiction. It's all fiction. Um, but um, my, you can find my journalism at buyjennifermiller.com. Yeah, and, um, and you can find me, like I said, I'm really active on, on Instagram at HeyFeifer, H-E-Y-F-E-I-F-E-R. And if for some crazy reason my nonsense rambling about history interested you, Pessimist Archive is a podcast to check out. I will put the link to all of those things in the show notes of this particular podcast. So if you go to the info button, all of the links that both Jen and uh, Jason mentioned are going to be there. And for the people that are listening to this podcast, the first 10 people to share this podcast on Instagram in your stories or on a post will get a copy of Mr. Nice Guy that we are giving oh, away. Thank so. you. Yeah, thanks. That's awesome. So that's very that. exciting. It's a good quarantine read, actually. You'll whip <laughs> through it. <laughs> I told you guys sexy. I read I told you guys I read that on the airplane. Right? Wow. Yeah. Oh. The first the first conversation we had, I read that on the airplane and I was like, what is this is just so I loved the characters. The writing is great. The story is incredible. So the fact that it's going to become something I can watch on TV, I'm really excited about. So um, thank well, you thank guys you so, so much. much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. They're really great to, to reconnect. We were totally honored. And, yeah, um, me and too. Love the conversation. I am. Thank you guys so, so much. I'll see you guys soon. And to those of you at home, stay home, stay safe. And thank you for listening. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I am so excited to continue to do this. Please share this with your friends. Email us, message us on Instagram at Rosie Acosta or on Twitter at Rosie Acosta. Subscribe on iTunes, write a review. We love doing this, so please help us continue to keep this podcast going. Thanks for listening.